0: Amen. Amen. So today we're going to talk about where does your faith stand? Where does your faith stand? Where does your faith stand? In 1 Corinthians 2, the Apostle Paul is giving us an important lesson and understanding about the difference between faith in God and faith in the wisdom of man. Which one do you trust in? Trust in the wisdom of man or in the power of God? He says in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 1, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. So Paul talks here about what he what he feels is fair to give God's people, what he feels is right to give God's people. And really he is contrasting his manner of preaching and, and what, he, what God has put on his heart as the right thing to present to God's people. He's contrasting it with the, the uh, religious world, with the world in general, in the time that, that Paul lived was the time of the, uh, I guess you could say, a, a, a Roman uh, dominance, a Greco-Roman dominance of the world. Greece was a, a nation that was known uh, for its, I guess you could call it intelligent sophistication, uh, writings, oratory, uh, many of the public coliseums were places where debate was carried out. It was very important in Greek culture for them to explore different ideas. Uh, They would ask questions like, what is truth? What is life? Who is man? You know, all these things, and people would go through great lengths to express their ideas. There were some of the great philosophers of the time uh, of ancient Greek, Plato and Aristotle, people like that whose writings have lived on throughout the centuries because their contribution to their culture was so great. So Paul also was, he called himself a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was excellent in his understanding of religious law, of of, uh, Jewish religious law. He had studied under one of the great teachers of the law, Gamaliel, and he had been a prized student of his. And so, if anybody had, uh, you know, some cred or, or, or recommendations according to the flesh, he did. He was a great, uh, a master at at, uh, at expounding on the scriptures. It was hard to fool him when it came to the law. It was hard to trip him up. But he laid all of that down for the gospel, which is the power of God unto salvation to everybody who believes. When he saw the demonstration of the power of God that forced him to lay everything down, he thought, Mm-mm, I, I count it all down. It's, it's, it's nothing compared to this. And that was what he gave his life for after that day. He went on to continue to preach. And so his, his part of his explanation Of His life now had to do with the fact that he could be out there uh, preaching just like he always did. He could be persuading people according to the flesh. He could use great swelling words and, and excellency of speech and all that kind of stuff. But he refused to do that so that Christ could live through him and he could share truth. He could share so that the power of God would manifest because certainly that was what people needed. They didn't need another great orator. They didn't need to search their minds for truth and search their minds and expel. They needed a Redeemer and they needed a Savior. And Paul understood that and that's why it was easy for him to lay that down so that he could pick up Christ and go on with that. And he says, says, declaring unto you the testimony of God, for I determined... This is, this is what he made up his mind to do. He made up his mind to take himself out of the situation. To take pride out of the situation. To take reputation out. To take himself totally out of this. And he says, I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. So he says, whatever knowledge came to me as a result of receiving the crucified Christ, that's what I want to know. He said, and I determined to put away all that you know, Pharisee teaching and all of that law and all of that stuff that I used to expound on was so proud of the fact that I knew all that stuff. I even used it to, to crucify and persecute the church. He said, I made up my mind a determination not to lean to my own understanding, not to lean unto the arm of flesh and intellect, but to trust that if I would preach the gospel, that God would take over and come and demonstrate his power. See, this is a big challenge for the church throughout the ages. You know, do we rely totally on the preached word and that God will confirm his word with signs following, or do we try to persuade people according to what we think they want to hear, uh, water it down so that they'll like it better, take uh, the, the uh, uh, you know, sin of homosexuality out of the gospel? You, do we remove and extract all of these things from the word of God, or do we determine to know anything except the gospel? of Jesus Christ. And this is what Paul did. And he had a lot that he could talk about besides Christ. But he he crucified himself. He made a determined effort to not put anything of himself anymore into his preaching, any fattening it up, any toning it down, any watering down, making it pretty, making it palatable. He did none of that. And he says... <clears throat> And I was with you in fear and in much trembling. In other words, I just came at God's command and many times I wasn't looking strong. And I wasn't looking (laughs) successful. And I wasn't looking, you know, in my three-piece suit or two-piece suit or, you know, my private jet. and, And, you know, my condo I have to have when I come in to preach somewhere. He said, I was with you in fear and much trembling. And he says, and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words. You know what enticing words are? God loves you just the way you are. And let's keep a happy thought. And don't think about, oh, we're not here to put you down. You know, we we don't want to preach fire and brimstone. Even though that's real too, but we don't want to talk about it. We just want to keep a happy thought here. And happy think you all the way to hell, I guess. Or wherever you're going after this. But he says, it was not with enticing words of man's wisdom. Mm. What does man think is important to preach to God's people... So that we can keep our numbers big. Huh? This is what he's talking about. It's not with enticing words of man's wisdom. Huh? But in demonstration of the spirit and power. You do either one. You'll notice that sometimes <clears throat> the bigger the the crowds get the less demonstration of power there is. Pretty soon. The words aren't as powerful. They get to be great swelling words. You know what I mean? Just going on and on and on. Now this is important, folks. The gospel was never meant to be preached without God confirming it with signs following. Never meant to be preached like that. I don't care how big a stadium you fill or how many large numbers you get. It was never that way. And what happens is that people have allowed their faith to stand not in the wisdom of the power of God, but in the wisdom of man. We have whole churches of people that don't care if they ever see a miracle. They don't care if God ever pays a bill for them. They don't care. They just want to come every Sunday and feel good about themselves and go home. And that's the way they operate. Because that's all that's ever expected. That's all that's preached to them. So he said, my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words. And you know what enticing is? There's no power there. You're being influenced. You're being seduced. You're being prodded. You're being poked. You're being pushed over into a realm where your mind is fed and you might feel an emotional satisfaction but you don't know if God's there or not because He never let God show up and do anything. And he says, Not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Now, Why would he do all of this? Why would he take himself out of it, lay down all his credentials, make that sacrifice when he could have easily gone back into doing what he did before and had big crowds? He would have been right there in the temple preaching with everybody else, getting that money like they always did. True that. If you got to pay for doves and, you know, every time you go to make a sacrifice, you bring your best lamb To the priest, and he said, Tindavat, your lamb got a problem here. We got a good lamb over here, we can sell you, and this one don't qualify. Yeah. That's that's how they rolled. Hmm? And so, he could have been a part of that, but he said, I determined, I fought it. I was tempted, but I fought it. I determined to know nothing. See, you can change your methods at any time. You see, sometimes ministries start out real good and on fire for God, and pretty soon they start playing the enticing words of man's wisdom. You go to a church growth seminar, and they tell you how to grow the numbers. Instead of how to demonstrate the power of God. Hmm? You ever see a, a church growth seminar that tells you how to demonstrate the power of God? You don't see any. They tell you how to create a mailing list, how to get a bigger mailing list, how to get on TV, how to get on radio, how to do play the numbers. Instead of letting God demonstrate his power. Well, it doesn't matter that people are sick in your church. Huh? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that people are getting a divorce at an alarming rate. That's not important. What's important is numbers. Hmm? You think those people ever get counseled on how to hold on to faith and hold on to Remnants of of a relationship and believe God for a miracle to turn that around for reconciliation. We're supposed to be living a gospel of reconciliation. If you can't reconcile with people you love, there's no reconciliation for you with anybody else. You're just fooling yourself. So he says, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. The Holy Spirit never demonstrates himself without power great swelling words is not the same thing as power he never comes except with power why do he do all of this why do he go through all this trouble why do he make this sacrifice why do he live persecuted by his former friends pharisees and people in the ex religious community for them so that their faith to be To be pure and to be honest before them so that they would not be deceived. Huh? He says, I wouldn't want you to listen to me go on and on and on with promises and words and all of this thing. I don't want you to be tricked. I want you to know the real thing. He says, because I want your faith not to stand in my wisdom and what I tell you is right, but in the power of God. Once your faith is in the power of God, it's in the right place. If it's stuck in man's wisdom, you're gonna be fearful of somebody. If some you hear a preaching that's contrary to what you've heard, you're gonna be scared to listen to it. You won't know the truth because there's not enough truth understanding on the inside of you to measure it with. You'll just be stuck in the land of man's wisdom. And we've all seen it. Oh, you, know, you People that, you know, you can pray in tongues right in front of somebody and they say, well, we don't believe in that. Huh? It's true. They don't even believe in natural manifestations, say nothing of the word. And so we've all seen the fruit of that, where people's faith always standing in the wisdom of men instead of in the power of God. And so God wants your faith to stand in his power. In order for that to happen, you've got to have a demonstration of his power. To the degree that you know how that works, you've got to know that the demonstration follows the preached word. God confirming his word through all of us with signs following. And what are the signs of those who believe? In the name of Jesus and the authority of his name. will cast out devils. Speak in new tongues, pick up serpents if we eat any deadly thing, it won't hurt us. huh Stop believing in your stomach aches and your food allergies and your huh you're above all of that. you'll lay hands on the sick, and the sick will recover. They won't die. <laughs> you can't kill somebody. With the power of God, he'll kill them by himself. He don't need a middle man. God wants to kill somebody and lead, need his people to help him do it. He's the God of the living, not the dead. So, Paul says, I set everything that was important to me in the past aside. This is what you have to do. In order for you to have the fullness of the demonstration of God's power, you've got to lay everything That you think you bring to the table aside. Because God will clear the table off. You don't want to fight against the power of God. You just want to declare Jesus Christ and Him crucified. So, in demonstration of the power, we allow our faith to stand firmly in God and His Word. When that power is demonstrated, Your faith stands firmly in God and His Word. And we should seek to see the power demonstrated. You want God to confirm His Word with signs following. And if it's not confirmed, you need to find out why and get it confirmed. You got me? This is how Christianity works. It doesn't work by making excuses. That went out with the apostles. We don't believe that anymore. That's man's wisdom to cover up the fact that you haven't seen the power manifested yet. You Just keep preaching until it shows up, huh? But see, over the years, the church has done this cover-up where the power of God's not that important. And many times you will see people even even in a place where the power's demonstrated they don't think it's it's as important because they haven't had any troubles of their own. You know what I'm saying? I mean it's like, well yeah, we can go ahead and we can preach this and we can preach that and you know, well the people always know they can go to God for healing. Well, why can't they come to you for it? Huh? And so you'd rather have some other guy pay the price for that. And demonstrate the power than for you to do it yourself. Oh, well, you know, if we start praying in tongues loud, we'll lose half the people. Huh? It's just true. It's true. That's why you see some of the denominations that started out in the Pentecostal movement, they don't even have an altar call anymore for people to speak in tongues. Minister to baptism of the Holy Spirit. They have none of that. Because they are causing people to trust in the wisdom of men. You'll do one or the other instead of the power of God. So this 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 way of preaching has always been resisted by the atmosphere. There's, so that's why Paul said, I determined to do this. A determination means that there's a force against you not to do it. There's a temptation not to do it. There's an urgency not to do it, not to have an altar call, not to lay hands on people, not to relieve their suffering, not to do the works of Jesus, not to cast out devils. So there's always a great temptation not to do the things that are associated with the gospel of Jesus Christ. After a while, you know, your crowd grows and it's, well, there's too many people to lay hands on. Well, you better get some believers. You better go to God and find out how you're going to take care of these people. Because when people come to God with needs, you're a minister. God expects you to fulfill those needs according to his word. So Paul says here, verse 7, sorry, verse 6, how be it we speak wisdom. Among them that are perfect or among God's people. Yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world, that come to nothing. Now anytime you step outside of God's word and the truth and the wisdom that's in God's word, you're wasting your time. It'll come to nothing. He says, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery... Even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. So this is a wisdom that is precious. It's not commonplace every day. So you're not going to pick it up when you turn on the TV and hear Dr. Oz talk about how to keep your your body healthy or whatever nonsense he's talking about on there. huh? How to eat vegetables and you know and and not kill an animal, but you know you kill babies and that's okay. see man's wisdom that comes to nothing huh you know you see people now this thing with you, you know when somebody like in a community when somebody is murdered. And you see all these people come out all of a sudden with candles and teddy bears and want to have these vigils and release balloons for them and all that. that's That's part of blood guiltiness. huh? They are trying to get back their their uh, respect for life through some type of ritual. Because it's been taken away from us through, if you agree with with killing humanity in one respect, that blood guiltiness comes and haunts you until you have to make that right. So this is part of making all that right. You didn't see that before abortion was legal. You didn't. People had tragedies happen and and it was a personal thing and, and you had people around you to support you but you didn't have all of these people coming out of nowhere all of a sudden trying to make that life meaningful after it's gone. There's like this mourning, this great funeral that's going on in society because of what we allow to happen in the unborn. And so, this is part of man's wisdom that comes to nothing. It does nothing for, for people. It causes people great harm and great tragedy in their lives. Because we don't, we yet don't trust totally in the wisdom of God. You see, the wisdom of God is fought everywhere. I was watching, uh, uh, Oprah in her next, whatever this next thing she's doing, it's, you know, just go sit down. You know, you retired, you know, you went out good, don't go out dumb now. You know, just go sit down, enjoy your retirement, let somebody else, you know, the next person on the stage, it's time for them. But anyway, so somehow she's going around, it's a religious thing she's on now, because they show her with some Buddhists, and they show her with some other people, and she's walking through fire, and then she's she's interviewing Joel Osteen, and she wants to. She goes into his house, and why would you let her? I mean, come on now. This why you serve God? You serve the Most High God. Why are you submitting yourself to the examination of the world? You know, let them keep guessing about you. Let them keep saying nasty things about. You. Let God deal with those people. But see, this is man's wisdom. This is man's wisdom in action. This is how man's wisdom will get you more trouble than you need. So, of course, Oprah's going to ask him, you know, well, where does all the money come from for you to buy all this stuff? She not your boss? Huh? Who art thou to criticize another man's servant? And who ought our servant to sit there and let somebody criticize you? So she, well, you know what I want to ask about. Is homosexuality wrong? Mm-hmm. See, this is what they want. They want to challenge the wisdom of God. With the wisdom of the world which comes to naught. We already know their opinions don't mean anything. Their opinions don't carry any eternal weight. Their opinions, I mean we love them all but their opinions are crap because they don't measure up to God's word. They don't line up with God's word and these people don't respect God's word. So why are you casting your pearls in front of swine? Maybe you don't think they're pearls. Philippians 3.3 says we we are of those people who have no confidence in the flesh. When he says no confidence, that means no confidence. Your ideas, the ideas that come from the world, what you think is important, what your plans are, no confidence whatsoever in it. The flesh lusts against the spirit. It works against the Spirit. Even within us, we'll find ourselves sometimes, you know, you want to obey God and the the Spirit of God. and You love God and all this, but you somehow can't hold on and transfer that into everyday life. You got me? Struggle. And so that, that flesh begins to gnaw against the Spirit, irritates the Spirit, works against the Spirit this is what you're up against that's why Paul says I determined I get up every day and I make the decision not to go back to my old ways and trust me it sure would have been a lot easier for him to make friends with the people in the synagogue than to get flogged by them every time he got in there you know, they just whooped him because they saw him coming sometimes you know, oh, here's Paul let's get to you know what I'm saying because they hated the truth hate the gospel he says but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery even the hidden wisdom of God this is precious folks this makes it worth it I mean what we have to offer as human beings it doesn't even I mean it's not even worth talking about You know, so you went to dumb school and you, you know, you graduated with high honors. That's the world system. So you went to dumb school and you got two degrees. You got, you know, a a stupid degree, a bachelor of stupid. Then you got a master of stupid. And you got a... of stupid. (laughs) I could have said of doo-doo. That's what Paul said his was. huh? Isn't that true? <laughs> the BS degree. <laughs> huh? I, I said stupid just for that reason. You got me? So this is hidden wisdom. God doesn't give it to everybody. There's a price to pay for it. There's a determination. Not to mix the two. Not to get tempted to go over into man's wisdom. He says, which none of the princes of this world knew. Interesting. You'll never get God's word from the world. You'll never get anything superior to what God can give you from the world. The world is not your help. What you have is a hidden wisdom that was hidden for you to use now from the foundation of the world. Did you know that when God sends you somewhere, say for instance you're just going to buy a car. And God, you go in God, you go in faith and you go, God show me where it is. I trust you to lead me to what belongs to me. Do you know that the wisdom that you use, the words that you speak are words that have been hidden for you to use from the foundation of the world. These words have never been used before. He says, which none of the princes of this world knew, for if they'd been that smart, they would never have crucified the Lord of glory. Played right into God's hands. So any wisdom from the world that we would use as believers plays right into God's hands. It will fail us, but it leads us right back to him again, doesn't it? You go out there and you mess up and you look around and say, oh Lord, what have I done? You go right back to him again. Think you're going to do something, get out and do all of this. huh? it leads you right back to him again. He says, But as it is written, for I have not seen nor ear heard, neither is entered in the heart of man the things that God had prepared that them that love him, but God has revealed them to us by his spirit because they are spiritually discerned. So you can know, you can get a glimpse of what's for you. You can know what's for you. You can discern what's for you. God will reveal these things to you by his spirit. A spirit searches out all things. Man, I sure would rather have this than some stupid head knowledge. Huh? Oh look at how many years I dragged out in college. You know I could have done that in nine months. I'm seriously. I mean seriously. You know, just give me give me the books. Give me all the tests and let me go over here and do this and you leave me alone. I don't need you to talk to me. I don't tenure that's why the world system is falling apart because people have a security in man's wisdom the security in man's wisdom and really to be honest with you man's wisdom is 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 falling behind in its usefulness to the world Uh, it used to be that that schools taught things that helped us in life but they can't even hold the interest of the average student now beyond much beyond the ninth or tenth grade. Most of them are done with it by then. And if they're so wise and they're so smart and they have all this tenure, what are they holding on to? Well, they're failing everywhere. Why? Because it's we don't want that. Well, anything to do with God and His Word, they don't want. Huh? Took it out. You you take prayer out of the schools. You take the freedom to invite God in to what you're doing. You know, it may not have been that there was so much, you know, wonderful stuff going on, but God was welcome there. Once you tell God you don't want Him, He'll let you have life without Him. Uh, So this is what we're stuck with. Can't graduate. Some some place they were saying that. Indiana or some places, like a 75% dropout rate. Only 25% of kids that start, finish. Huh? So, you know, God's saying, okay, you don't want me there. You manage things the best you can without me. And they find out they can't even hold people's attention or interest. Then most of the money that they would be using for books and things, they got to put security in. Huh? Because the kids, you know, it used to be just ghetto schools had problems. Now everybody's got problems. huh? You kick God out of everywhere and you get problems everywhere. So this is man's wisdom, folks. This is the fruit of man's wisdom. This is why Paul had nothing to do with it. Huh? Nothing to do. He says, I don't want your faith standing in what you hear me say only. You've got to see God's power demonstrated. Believe in that. When God shows up, that's where you put your faith, huh? You put your faith in the power of God. And so, when you, when you know what moves God, you know what moves His hand, that's what you have confidence in. So Paul's directing them in the right way. And we've had this struggle in the church forever. Do we just go because somebody preaches a good sermon, Or, you know, oh, the preacher preached good today. Well, that means that some days he don't preach good. Huh? (laughs) But if the power of God's demonstrated, it's all good all the time because God showed up. You see? And so this is what makes it Christianity and not something else. Not the world's wisdom. So he says here in verse 11. For what man knows the things of man save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. You can only know what's given to you by God by his spirit. That's why your little goofy friends that ain't saved, mostly you can't even encourage them. You know, if you pray a prayer for them and, and the prayer's answered, they act like they've never even been touched by God. Hmm. Because they don't know what's available to them until they get born again. That's why that's so important to preach the gospel. It's so important to ask people if they've ever invited Christ into their life and they would like to. It's very important. Because then they can know they can participate in the things of God because they have the Spirit of God in them and can know what's available to them. I remember praying for a, a you know little Catholic neighbor of mine. She's always oh yeah pray for us you know they all ask you to pray for them. That's kind of like their their way of getting you off their back for anything deeper you know pray for us. So she was complaining to me one time. I got sick of complaining. So I asked her, I said, "Do you want God to help you with this? Well, yeah, I mean I you know I said you know she had an issue with a pool, you know something simple it worries unbelievers. <laughs> hopefully it doesn't worry us too much. you know these material things but and yeah, a pool she kids were having a party she wanted the pool wasn't running right, she needed it fixed, everybody she called wasn't able to come, so i prayed with her I said well I said call one more person and so she did and they miraculously there's nothing on their schedule they came out had the pool all fixed and everything as they were leaving somebody else that fixes pools saw their truck pulling out down the street you know the devil sent this nut down to her and she said he convinced her that this guy didn't do the right thing to fix her pool You see how hard the devil works to discredit God? Man's wisdom versus the power of God. And she told me, she said, well, we still can't have a party. And she told me what happened. I said, do you realize that this guy said, if he was so helpful, why wasn't he available to come and fix your pool I said we prayed God sent you help I said this guy comes out of nowhere to tell you the help wasn't right I said what does that mean to you and she looked at me she said well I don't know he just said it wasn't right and God spoke to me he said that's why it's hard for me to help sinners huh because the Spirit of God lets you know what things are for you. If you don't have the Spirit of God dwelling in you, you don't know Jack. That's why people can get answers to prayer for years. Never give their hearts to the Lord. Because they, this, this is the last time that will happen. They don't know what God's going to do next. Why? Because they don't have a Spirit in Him to let them know anything. He says that we might know the things that are freely given to us by God. The Holy Spirit will not put 15 hurdles in front of you to jump through before God will help you. He'll let you know they're freely given. If they're given with a lot of stipulations and a lot of hoops to jump through, and it, suspect the devil, okay? Oh, religious devil. Always you got to earn this and you got to earn that. No, just stay in the word until you believe something. Mm-hmm. Try that. Try that hurdle. You know, which some people would rather jump hurdles than to, to meditate on the word. Show you how crazy people are. Uh, you tell people, meditate on the word. Here, take this tape, go home and listen to it until God heals you. Did you, they come, did you listen to the tape? Well, I was getting ready to, and then I had company, and then I had this, and I, well, go listen to the tape. Okay, you said you would listen to the tape. Listen to the tape until God heals you. Well, I was looking at Benny Heen, and I was thinking I could make him a big offering. Well, you know. To rather give money, they'd rather cut their arm off and give it than to obey God's word. So simple. Doesn't cost you anything. All you gotta lay down, shut up, and put the tape on. Well, I was going going to, but I had to do this and I okay. Well, verse thirteen, which things also we speak, not in the words with man's wisdom teaches. Again, he's putting down man's wisdom. Huh? Instead of exalting it, he's putting it in its proper place, but which the Holy Ghost teaches comparing spiritual things with spiritual things. The Holy Ghost teaches comparing spiritual things with spiritual things and bypasses man's wisdom altogether. Man's wisdom can only focus on the natural things. Verse 14, but the natural man does not re- receive the things of the Spirit of God for they are foolishness to him. My neighbor couldn't accept that God had helped her out. It was foolishness to her to believe that God would just send somebody to relieve her problem. He says neither can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. So the things that are spiritual are taught by the Spirit, to the Spirit, and discerned by the Spirit. No flesh involved here at all. Your carnal man can't pick up on what God's doing on the inside of you. You have to accept that by faith. If God says that he's going to bless you with something, I don't care what it looks like, coming your way i don't care who who sent you a letter turning something off or who sent you a letter suing you or sent you a letter doing this if god says he's going to bless you he's going to bless you so start looking for the blessing huh quit looking for the disconnect because your carnal man you have to leave him out of this this is not your business flesh you stay out of it he says but he that is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. Not by the flesh. Somebody by the spirit, though, can discern things. But this we're talking about somebody outside of you in the flesh trying to judge your walk. What kind of Christian are you? huh? Hey, look at you. You do this and you do that. Well, listen, I'm saved. I'm not dead. I'm saved, I'm not stupid, huh? I'm saved, I, you know. I left to live in this skin and put up with you. But I'm saved. <laughs> <laughs> For who hath known the mind of the Lord that He may instruct him? Hmm? Nobody. But we have the mind of Christ. We have access to it. We don't walk in it all. You know, forget that, okay? Ooh, I got the mind. Open the door for me. It's heavy today. (laughs) No, you have access. When you yield to it, you know, God gives you one little word of knowledge. (gasps) Woo! When you get the tatas, you you know, you, that's heavy then, you know. This ain't your normal prayer language, you know. it's just almost in the stammerings where you can't stand yourself. Well, true that. No, you just have access, okay. The little word of knowledge, you know, sits in your brain and it's like explodes in there. I got a revelation. What? What? I don't know, but I something came through there. I I felt it, I sensed it, he was there. Uh-huh. So trust me, we couldn't live in that mind all the time or we just evaporate. Uh-huh. But in, in, in understanding the difference between the wisdom of men and the power of God, we have to understand that, that counsel comes both ways. It will come through God and also comes through the world. In Psalm 1, it gives you a warning about where to get your, your wisdom from and your counsel from. Counsel really is the, the discussion of wisdom, you know, where wisdom is imparted to you by the spirit of counsel. It says, Blessed, verse 1, 1, one Blessed in the, is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners. You know, the people at your job you kind of like a little bit, even though they don't serve God. It's kind of fun to talk to nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful so there's three kinds of people that you don't take counsel from nor do you listen to. that's the ungodly sinners and the scornful. The contrast of that is that your delight must be in the law of the Lord and you meditate on that day and night. it's like Joshua 1 eight day, and night. Day and night. You know what? That keeps you out of religion. You know, the religious person, well, I have to get up early in the morning and have my quiet time with the Lord. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah, quiet time. Well, I put on praise music too, you know. Yeah, right. And and so if, if you're regimented where God can only get to you early, what are you going to do at night when the devil shows up? See, See you can, can have the counsel of God in you at all times. You have to draw from it. You draw from the mind of Christ. You yield to the spirit that is in you so that that spirit can begin to feed your mind and feed your soul the things that are necessary for you to use in your everyday life. So you are not to take counsel from the ungodly. There's ungodly saved people folks. You got to weigh everything with the Word of God. You know we've got Christians that have issues. Mm-hmm. So you have to stay away from issue issue people. you know they like to ooze out all over you. and you know enough of that I mean a little bit of that goes a long way. and so we have to be careful. To weigh their words by your spirit. If you don't get a witness in, in the inner man, I don't care how great a preacher that person is or how wonderful they are. You, you have to stop there. You know We can all flow over into the flesh. So we're to have no confidence in the flesh. Sometimes they're people that we like. They're high powered people. But they can be in error in certain areas. (laughs) So, ungodly counsel can come from believers and non believers. Confidence in the flesh and satisfaction with the things of the flesh is part of what keeps religion going. You know, you see sometimes in religion, people like to get excited and happy over a message and then that's as far as it goes once the preachers made everybody jump up and shout they're pretty much done with you know I mean they think they've done their job so these things are pride based and in situations like this the demonstration of the power of God is not sought but it is rather fought and it's fought by these great swelling words of man's wisdom As long as your words come out of your brain and you think people are entertained and you think they like that better and you think that that's a better message, then you're denying the power access to the people that God has sent there to experience Him. You got it? Your seeker friendly meetings where we, you know, they have popcorn right in the back of the church and. You know, a roller skate down the aisles or whatever they do. You know, there's some church that meets in a bar and they serve beer and, and liquor. You know, I mean, there's all kind of stuff out here, folks. Where people really believe that this is the best way to reach people. Mm-hmm. The best way to reach them. You know, I'm all for not judging people according to their dress. And their manner of speech. But at some point you came in with them jeans with holes in them. I know God's bought you some better clothes by now. You understand what I'm saying? You know let's not just be a hippie church because nobody's telling you. And setting any kind of rules for your appearance. You know God wants to adorn us to look like his bride. What's a bride look like? Well, she's very conscious of her appearance, you know not to the not to the point where she can't think about God, but she does it for God. Now you can be a brand new believer and get that you know Sandy Brown said that when when the way she met the Lord was <laughs> some neighbor she went over to the neighbor and was crying to the neighbor and said the 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 lady that lived next door to her neighbor rushed in the door and and said, "Can I borrow a cup of sugar?" And she looked at Sandy and said, "Lady, I don't know what's wrong with you, but whatever it is, Jesus Christ is your answer." And ran back out there. That's that's how. See, if you think that you you're you're too scared to witness to people, that is what brought her to the Lord. See, we're looking for to give somebody a great dissertation, swelling words again, see want to recite the whole Bible to somebody, and all they asked us was one question see you gotta dig for the hidden wisdom instead of the what's in your head, but she said that God began to speak to her audibly, she began to cry out to God, and she said that. God began to tell her to praise Him and worship Him, and she didn't know how. And she said she would say praise, praise, worship, worship. This is this is how ignorant she was. She walked around the house. She said, and God would visit her every time, you know, in the evening. She said, and I, she said, and I thought, oh, He's here. And she said she would go take a shower, get dressed up, put on makeup. Before she would go and worship God. Now see, as a baby Christian, you know to present yourself presentable to somebody who's important. You got me? I mean, it, this, these things are so simple. But many times we'll hold on to, to just habits and things just to resist. You know, what would happen if we'd yield? and what would happen if the church would really yield and I'm not talking about coming in here in high heels and a hat so big nobody can see around you you know far from that but there is an adornment that accompanies what's on the inside of you that speaks well of your Savior you got me? it's it's just there so the counsel of the ungodly comes to nothing but oftentimes when we're under pressure we resort to hmm, we resort to whatever snaps in our brain because we don't trust and seek the demonstration of the power of God Some of the weapons that the world uses are words that put pressure on us emotionally Words that manipulate. False visions and dreams. Mind control. And intimidation. Those are all from the spirit of the world. It's the wisdom of men. So this sets the stage... For other religious powers to use their wisdom over you. See, it's a path. It's where people just kind of, uh, you know, you're set up to, to be manipulated and used so that you find that path of religion that depends on great swelling words where the power of God's not demonstrated. So the wisdom of men trusts in the natural. Not being able to see and know in the natural tends to make people anxious and they will seek the wisdom of men. It's a fast, easy answer that we're looking for instead of going to God. We always think God works slow or too slow for what we get. We want something quick. And we always think God works slowly. Except if you walk with God, you have no fear about anything. You don't fear things and you're not trying to, to uh, make things happen real quickly. You have a peace about you that's undisturbed at all times. The Bible says that I will not be afraid of evil tidings. My heart is fixed. It's trusting in God. See the, the, the committed heart, the dedicated heart, the fixed heart trusts solely in God and not in anything else. God, if you don't come through for me, then man certainly won't, you know. I mean we just have that about us, where we trust not in in the wisdom of men. When we're seeking ungodly counsel or we're 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 trusting in the flesh the inner witness is not sought nor is it trusted. Because we're not sure the power of God's gonna be there for us. Yeah, because we, we just think in such drastic terms. You know, here we are thinking like heathens again. We're upset, we're we're not sure, we're anxious. Oftentimes our complaint is it's taking too long or it's not working and we drop trusting God and go to plan B. Now, mm. yep. for instance, if you're looking for a job, this is where people really get desperate. Do we go with the word? Now, many times we have to pray to get an opportunity for a job, you pray and you get the interview, and oh God, help me through the interview and uh, give me favor. And we, you know, we're pulling out all the trinkets. You know, you open your purse, you got your Bible, your rosary, your holy water, your oil, your worry bead. Your oops, God forgot everything. Or horoscope. Oops, throw that out. Listen. We got it all, huh? Until we get it. Hmm? ask in faith receive in the flesh because when we go in there they want us and what we have oh my credentials oh yes well the devil makes sure he makes sure you do that because in the interview that's all they talk about psalm 1 blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. See, in the interview process, that's where the devil converts you from trusting God now to the wisdom of man. Oh, I'm looking at your resume. Oh, we've been looking for so You've got this and this and this and this, and you sit there and go, yes, me, wonderful. <laughs> huh? So that by the time you start the job, you're trusting in you again. Oh yeah. God got you in the door. And the minute you walked in the door, you came in and slammed it right in God's face and left him outside. Huh? You don't have no credentials. You got, what did Paul say? I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. You just sit there and say yes to everything and at the end of the interview you expect that they will hire you. If that's the job God has for you, expect they will hire you. And if they don't, you go to the next interview. That's all there is to it. You're looking. You're on a hunt for God's best for you. You're not trying to impress anybody. huh? Come on, y'all. So when you, we step out and do these things, do we go totally with the word? Or do we go with the word until we get some assurance that we're in there and then we let the flesh take over? You start telling these people you got this experience now. Oh, yes. You know, you sit there in the interview and, oh, yes. I've done. Oh, I can do this. I can do that. Oh, yes. I'm your person. I'm your man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you expect out of this work experience? Well, I'm, I want to move up in the company and, I, you know, we recite all the things that we're told we're supposed to say, you know, so that we can get hired. Instead of staying where God wants you to be, the wisdom of God it can be few words, but it'll be the right words. You can blow an interview, and the person will call you anyway. Huh? I so wonder how that happened. I was sure they didn't want me after I left out of there. That's the best place to be, because then the decision's up to God. You'll wind up in the right place in that way, because then you know you have no confidence in the flesh. You know, if you blow it in the flesh, you, your confidence is not there. Well, most of our, our workplace stress comes from putting self back in into the job. Instead of going in there with God every day, expect to have a good day. We had a lot of problems that came up today, but it was a good day. Huh? Because God solved every one of them. So you take self out of the work environment. You put self in, it's where the work stress comes in. You know, I have so much stress on my job. You stress, you stress. That's a new buzzword. Huh? And you keep calling for him, he'll show up. Will. So when we, we follow God, there's no pressure there. We're on assignment there. We're there to take <clears throat> the presence of God into that workplace. So that God can work through us and you can solve people's problems. Mm -hmm. You have to be careful not to let people's problems become your problem. Mm -hmm. God puts you in a workplace. You're there to do a good job. You're there to contribute. But you have to do it according to what God sees that you're supposed to do there. Got me? There will be times when God will have you pray with people in the workplace. Now, I'm not saying you run around with your Bible and start offering everywhere. You go away from your place and you get fired. And you say, well they fired me because they didn't like me being... No, they fired you because your butt should have been over there in your department. You run it over here. Call yourself witnessing to people. So stop it. But you be there and you do a good job and you don't complain. And you make sure that you keep peace in the workplace... And that's what God expects out of all of his people. You're not there to to be number one. You're not there to entertain anybody. You're not there to make friends. You're there to serve God and be a witness for him. So we will remember these things, not get over in the flesh. Now sometimes Christians will see they have favor on the job and think they're it. You forget that God gives everybody that He loves favor. It's supposed to come to you. But it's not there to abuse and you think you don't have to do your work. Huh? That they'll turn, you know, they'll look the other way because you you know, you want a furlough today. You want to get paid for nothing. Well God's not He does his you know, he doesn't encourage his kids to steal. You go to work and you don't work that day and you get paid, it's called stealing. Well, I work hard all the time. You need to work hard every day when you go there. That's what a child of God does. Mm-hmm. Joseph would be in prison today if he hadn't humbled himself and obeyed God the whole time he was there. Mm-hmm. You have to, even though it was beneath his standard, you know, he'd been in charge of a rich man's house and winds up in prison. Well, what are you going to do? Are you going to crab about things or are you going to obey God even when you're in prison? So that's what God's looking for. You're in the workplace so that he can see if you're going to obey him all the time. Are you going to try to get away with things because, you know, they like you? Hmm. making purchases do you get his peace or do you try to find some natural hookup you know you're going to find something discounted find something you know just going looking on your own disreputable people showing you different things that they can help you with do you do natural means or supernatural means What are you afraid of when you make a purchase? Everybody's got some kind of nervousness, some kind of fear. You're dealing with money, there's always going to be some insecurity there. Everybody's scared of something. It's either the credit check, the background check, or some check you're scared of. Or your lack of check. So there's always something that's going to not commend us to men. When you're dealing with the world's ways, we want to have our checklist completed that we're we're living up to all of the world's standards. Well, nobody's living up to all of them. Listen, there's stuff Donald Trump wants to buy that he's not qualified for. So we're going to always need some type of favor, some type of, of something that can commend us to men, and we, and it won't be there. But you have to go at the command of God anyway. You have to be led by God's spirit and go where He tells you to go and speak to people what He tells you to speak to them. Period. and trust that God will be with you there. You get a no answer. So what? That wasn't the place., well, that wasn't the place. I was talking to somebody and they, they were saying that they had gone on a job interview and it looked like they were going to get hired they said you know um, in fact the person that interviewed me was a former classmate of mine so it's like ooh, it's all set she said they didn't give me the job she said I didn't get the job then I said well it just wasn't yours I said sounds like you're close though perhaps the next one will be yours you think they heard that Huh? And I was giving it my best Holy Ghost shot. You know you understand what I'm saying? You said, sometimes you just don't say anything because you think, well, okay, but you know, you wanna help, wanna be godly, edifying, blah blah blah. Well, I now I know why I didn't get the job. See? Here we go. Some other wisdom coming in here to make one wise. You didn't get the job because God didn't give it to you. I mean to me, I, and simple is often the answer. If you ask God for a job for yourself, you went to an interview, you didn't get it, it's because God did not give it to you. You got a problem with him, you go talk to him. I know why I didn't get it. There was a, the man that they gave it to, and she didn't know if he got it or not. He was out there in the yeah waiting room when she came out. He was young, he was this, he was that. And it, I said, Well, you just disqualified yourself for the next one. See, man's wisdom stealing from the power of God that could work and open that next door for you and that's been two weeks and they have not had another interview you know why because the devil shot her faith down and killed it right there whenever you have an excuse or reasonings for something you set your own defeat in that area you mark yourself as dead in that area Because you're reasoning man's wisdom, excuse making for why it didn't happen for you. Why you can't do this. That's the wisdom of the world. It always has to come up with some fluffy stupid answer for everything. Why don't we see power in the church? I don't know. We're trying to get as much around here as we can. I don't know why you ain't seeing it nowhere. I'd like to see more. But we do have some. All these stupid questions. People want to speak things that they're not qualified to speak. Well, the church needs a spokesperson. We've got tons of them. Believers. Yacking all the time. We can equip them to, to preach the gospel and expect God to confirm We'd, we'd be a powerhouse around here. We don't need to know why we don't have this and why we don't have... Let's go get it. Let's go get it. How much time do we have, Miss Wanda? I was just going to... Nine. Nine minutes. <laughs> let's go to Judges 14. Decisions that you have to make in your personal life. Do you trust man's wisdom or do you trust in the power of God? The power of God will always lead you the right way. The word of God is the power of God. When God gives you instructions, direction, all of that, then you're, you're on the right road. So stay on the right road. And the Bible tells us not to be unequally yoked believers with unbelievers. That is a cardinal rule of God. That will will determine your your social situation. That will in, determine your uh, your marriage. It'll determine everything that goes on in your life. You have to obey these rules. When the world starts looking attractive to you, you're you're stepped over the line already. You know, so step back over the line. Don't stay over there wallowing it. <clears throat> Here we see in first in uh, judges 14 and verse one, it's about Samson. He's choosing a wife for himself. When you are making that type of decision, it's very, very important for you to obey God and obey God's and bear, be very careful not to step over the line. Because relationships are, are based a lot on emotion and they're, and they have to do with emotions. You want to be around people, make you happy, make you feel better about yourself, you know, prop you up, so to speak. You know if you're, you're with God, you don't need much propping, but oftentimes people will weaken themselves in order to get along with others. Yeah, compromise. You know they don't believe like you do, but you, you want to keep the relationship. Well, I guess I'll go preach to some Muslims today. I don't know. You know whatever. Hmm? You like them. They like you. It says, verse 1, Samson went down to Timnath and saw a woman it's the first problem going where they are. didn't say he founder in the synagogue, didn't say he founder. I mean, even the women at the well was pretty cool 'cause you know you could go there and trust God that some godly woman would come you know the 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 obedient daughters came and drew water for the family, so that was kind of like an okay place. You know, to hang. You know, you could talk to some chicks you met there because she was a family girl. She was being obedient under the Father's authority, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Of course, that changed during the time of Jesus. You know, the skanks started hanging out at the well. Still got to be discerning, you know what I'm saying. So here, <laughs> just an aside... Samson goes down there and a daughter of the Philistines is there. And he came back and told his father to I've seen a woman there and she's a daughter of the Philistines. Get her for me for a wife. Now when did your kid start running the household? This is the problem here. You know, his parents probably knew that they were blessed of God to have this child and spoiled him. You know. Happens sometimes. The only kid he used to getting this way. His father and mother said this, is there never, never, never a woman from our people? Never any Christian. Don't you like Christian women? Why don't you like Christian girls? Well, the real Christian girls will tell you keep your eyeballs in your head, keep your hands to yourself, and will lay down with you. The real Christian ones. Now you can find anything running around the church, but I'm talking about real ones. Huh? They'll make you act like a Christian man is supposed to act. They'll put some demands on you as far as your morality, your behavior, your respect, all of that. They'll make you respect yourself and them. Samson didn't want that. Uh, he never wanted that. He just wanted what his flesh wanted. But this told a lot because it says the parents say you never want what God wants for you. Mm -hmm. You never want what God wants for you. Mm -hmm. Never. He says go down and get her for me for she pleases me well. It's the flesh talking. You don't marry somebody based on what your flesh says. You don't want to marry somebody based on... You don't obey your flesh in some important decision like that. If you find that your flesh wants to dictate to you everything, then you have to get it under control. You have to get the word on your flesh. You have to be determined, like Paul was, not to let the wisdom of the world dominate in your life. It says, but you know, we got preachers that can't stay married. You know, spend millions of dollars on a wedding and and then they start fighting in the parking lot after a conference. What kind of nonsense is that? I mean, this is what we got out here, folks. Do you know where we live and what age we live in now? You know, and they still want to preach and people still want to go listen to them, they just don't quit. No, God's exposed. The credibility is nothing. And people still want to run to their meetings and still want to talk about how wonderful they are. Mm -hmm. Been enticed. Been enticed. Great swelling words. Mm -hmm. Great swelling words. You know, religious spirits pay more attention in church sometimes than spirit-filled saints do. They watch everything. They watch to see how to imitate the voice inflection, how to the timing on the words just right to get people where they want them to be. That's why you got to go within. You can't live in your flesh. You can't live hyped up and hyped up one minute, you know, running around and play praising worship. Then word comes for if you go to sleep. See, that's religion stealing the word from you and so we have to be careful of the, these things and understand the age we're living in samson said this girl pleases me well <sighs> all excited this is what <laughs> you better go get uh uh-uh, you better go get that for me huh all agitated pacing around like a crazy person be careful people make you praise you know pace around like a crazy person huh you will be crazy and they will be too you better get somebody to know how to slap you down a little bit you know you go rushing up rushing up in some sister's face and she's just been reading her words she looks you better go pray honey talk to me after you done talked to God don't come rushing up here with this <laughs> hmm it's the truth. We have to govern one another, respect one another, live with one another in the fear of God in order to be right with God. Can't finish, Miss Juana. All right. Well, you can put one in. I, I'll you know, do it. Samson never loved God's people. Never loved them. Now, they're church people. People been in church all their lives have no love, no respect for God's people. Always carnal about things, comparing themselves and all that kind of stuff. Be careful when you you don't want God's people and you start looking to the world for your friends. This has happened to ministers, you know. You see them talking about and believers. You know, there's certain believers like to ride the edge all the time. You know, they want to always have some goofy music. Blasting in their car or something like that, or worldly music, or you know, you know, want to talk about this one and that one from the world, you know, kind of throw people off a little bit. Say something. You know be careful with that kind of stuff. You know, just be careful of uh, wanting to make it known. See, to me, it's it's a type of of secret sin you know it's really not right you know you know it's really not right and then you want to try it out on your christian friends to see if they like that person too and you know that kind of stuff and it, you you wind up getting stuck there because you don't know how to get out you just need to repent and say god you know what i should be over liking this kind of music or liking this stuff now and you know just don't let me broadcast it you help me with it by the time you start broadcasting it, it's gone beyond. You, you're not handling it right anymore. You need to go back over the line and, you know, do the right thing. You really do. You know, you just you shouldn't have a love for those things. You should be expecting it to leave you. You know. Uh, now, don't get me wrong. It's don't beat yourself up about it. Just handle it right. You know, just handle it right. These different tastes and things like that will start to wear off of us if we don't indulge them. See, if you indulge it and then you want to you wanna broadcast it to other Christians, you want to share it with other Christians, you listen to this and, and you think it's okay. That's what you're doing. You're trying to, to lower their standards some way. So, you know, just cut it out, you know. Anybody can walk in the supermarket and and you start hearing, uh, you know, Anita Baker. You, just, <laughs> you know, you do everything but that in the aisle because, you know, you just got to keep your hands on the cart. You <laughs> giving you the best that I got. <laughs> yeah. Giving you the Huh? And cut it, you did Anita Baker, you got through the supermarket you didn't you didn't play her, it was played, and you listened to it, and it caught on to where you had it hid for them years. The Holy Ghost didn't find that Anita Baker stored up in there, you know it ain't come out of my brain yet huh, but you know it's. As far as we go with that, you know, you don't go on and on, and you know, get on Facebook and tell people, oh, just put that little thing on there. I've been this is what I've been listening to recently, you know. Oh, don't indict yourself, please. You know, I mean, that thing is good and bad. You get on there and you see saints doing some of the stupidest stuff. I said, where's your witness for Christ? Oh, will you. Don't do that. This is for me and my friends. Don't friend me. It's <laughs> the truth. Say amen, somebody. Cut it out. Stop it. Stop it. And start being a Christian 24 7. Don't be a closet, worldly pe- person on Facebook with your friends. You know, you get that public, you need to be preaching the gospel like like nothing else. There's a platform for you, for God to use you in a way that you wouldn't be able to be used if you didn't use it the right way. So use it the right way. Get off of there telling your business and telling people this about you. You ain't that interesting. I mean, come on now. People don't care about all that stuff, you know, day to day. You know, Maria's on there. It's my little Facebook angels. I said, Are you nuts? <laughs> are you really crazy? Then elevated them demons you know to angels all of a sudden cause you out there they they angels cause you say they are. Bunch of ex convicts, drive by shooters, gangbangers, and they you little Facebook angels. <laughs> Cut it out. Cut it out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking who is she talking to <laughs> I'll text her sometime I'm not an angel I'm your pastor <laughs> get off of there with the dumb stuff <laughs> we, we thought you were pretty smart before you started talking that A Samson never had love in his heart for God's people Be careful striving with God's people and people you dislike and can't get over it. Don't let that be in the household of faith. You get over that real quick, real quick. So there he's on the road now, to to the Philistines because he likes it. They please him well. Mm -hmm. He's in the flesh most of the time. He was being trained, though, as a judge in Israel because the Bible says the Spirit of God would come up and come up, visit him from time to time. So it's like he couldn't depend on an anointing that he walked in consistently. Edgy people are like that. They don't have a consistent anything with God. They have access to the Spirit, but it's not consistent because their heart isn't given over to God. So it says this, Verse four, but his father and his mother knew that the Lord was allowing it. They said they they knew not that it was of the Lord. Okay, that he sought an occasion against the Philistines, for at that time the Philistines had dominion over Israel. So what it's saying here is that God didn't stop him from doing these things. He allowed it because it would put Samson in a position to defeat the Philistines Over the Israelites. Sometimes because you're called to serve God, he has to use you however you allow that door to open to be used. Samson's was just a goofy door. He wasn't like a Deborah who had a position that sat in a place that people came to her and she judged judiciously with some some respect and and all of that. He, He wasn't that kind of judge. He was one of them, you know, take a little money under the table. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Just, sitting at the village gates with the shades on, you know, with the mirror shades, like the, this long cigar sticker, that's him. He liked the world. So it says, in verse 5, Then Samson went down in his, with, and his father and mother to Timnah, and came to the vineyards of Timnah, and behold, a young lion roared against him. And the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. See, this spirit would come on him at times that were unpredictable. Just because God saves you from the lion, that don't mean you do everything right. See, He's got to spare his life because he's called to serve him. So we're all going to have those experiences that doesn't mean you earned it by good behavior. You got me? God's going to do what he's going to do to preserve your life because he picked you. Warts and all. So, you know, and the Spirit of God came on him mightily and he tore him up as though he had been a small animal. And he had nothing in his hand, Just barehanded kill a lion. But he didn't tell his father or his mother what he had done. So, apparently, he goes down with the parents and they separate. And he goes on his own path by himself. Where mother and father will not go. When you choose the world's way. Your own path where people in authority over you tell you don't do that. People that have wisdom in God tell you. uh, uh, Don't you ever like anybody you're supposed to like Samson? So the parents are trying to pull him this way. He goes down there. You'll always meet a lion down there. The lion of Timnah is for the believer. That likes the world. He's always down there waiting for you. The Bible says Samson was, was under the vows of Nazarite, part of their laws where they were not to touch anything dead. And he says he went down, verse 7, and talked with a woman, and she pleased Samson well. Well, he's in the flesh. Anything in a skirt's going to please him. I said anything in a skirt, male, female, indifferent, pleased him well. Why? The flesh lusts what what the flesh wants, just flesh. See, you can tell when your flesh is involved because you can't rest and put something off. You know, you're kind of obsessed, (laughs) I just got to, got to. God don't do you like that. Hmm? God will give you peace. He'll bring you in remembrance of certain things. You know, if you ask about him, He'll remind you. You know what you're holding on to Him for. But He is not going to obsess you and push you around with a thought where you can't get rid of it. It's not God. It's always demonic activity. The devil wants. The devil has to do that to you to get you to move on some stuff. Huh? Because if you love God and, and you're devoted to God, He's got to put something on you to force you away from the attention that you give to God, and that's what He'll do. You know, worry you about something. Oh, oh you know, if if you don't ask her to marry you, she gonna marry. She gonna get snapped up quick. She ain't going nowhere. She been been sitting there looking for something for the longest time. Don't don't trouble yourself, okay? They don't never have nothing of their own. You know, And don't want anything. They want something that belongs to somebody else. For a minute. So, I said, Home in church, so what? You sue me. You don't have to buy the tape, but you better listen to what I'm telling you. She's going to get snapped up real quick. That 40-year-old, she long in the tooth, short in the brain. There I said it. If she was that desirable. How come she don't have no man? Her best years are behind her already. She couldn't get nobody when she was young. <laughs> OMG. OMG what I say so you walk on the wrong you like the world you'll meet the lion of Timnah he's always out there and to make it even worse verse 8 and after a time he returned to take her turned aside on the same road taking the same path there to see the carcass of the lion behold there was a swarm of bees and honey in the carcass of the lion he took it and ate it And went on eating like nothing. Forget the vow. He's doing what he wants to do. So in selecting a spouse, selecting friends even, you know, don't go the wrong road. Stay on God's road. If you don't meet anybody, you don't need anybody. God will be your friend. He'll be your companion. When he drops your hand, then you can look up and see who he has for you. But until then, you keep walking with God. Because the pathway that leads to relationships is full of lions. It's full of landmines. And you've got to navigate your way through there with somebody who loves you, that you can rely on, and not lean on man's wisdom. Well, you know, they they, they know God, and they've been doing this in the ministry, and they're this, and they're that. Yeah, but they're not for you. Huh? Let God choose who he wants you to have. In choosing your friends, obey the word. They said, they, you know, the Bible says, if you want friends, you have to show yourself friendly. Huh? Now I'll tell you, some people like to manipulate people into friendship. Hmm? Well, I don't have many friends. Ooh. Ouch, I'm leaving. <laughs> you ain't got me either. Yeah. Why I get chosen? Huh? Red flag. Oh, right. huh? well, people don't like me. You know I'm called. Yes, so am I. Bye. <laughs> I hear, I hear him calling me now. Go away. Hello. Bye. <laughs> huh? <laughs> Be careful not to measure people by what you think they can do for you. Let's see, it's a trap. Don't measure people according to what you think they can do for you. Do they know more about God? Do they understand things better? Do they let God pick your people for you? Sometimes God will have you walk with people and you realize, man, I've been fighting this relationship and this person could have been a friend all this time. That happens, especially around Christians. We all think that we're above certain people. I want to be elevated. We want people to make us feel good about ourselves. Don't make us feel too put down, too low, you know, any of this stuff. And oftentimes, God wants you to connect with people for a lifetime, relationships, give time relationships time to grow so that people don't get tired of you and you get tired of them. So in man's wisdom, you'll have all these opportunities to make the wrong choices, You've got to stay with where God is because you'll see God's power demonstrated. You keep following the word. You keep disciplining yourself to do things according to the way God would have you to do them. It'll pay off for you. See, it'll pay off for you. Give it your best. Give it your whole heart. Give it, don't go into anything kind of half-heartedly and hoping something will work out for you eventually. And Have your confidence in that. I'm walking with God. I'm doing what I know I'm supposed to do before God. I'm trusting in him to pick the right people for me. Put me in the midst of the right people that I can share Christian life with. All of that stuff. See, put it all over into there. And God sees your wholehearted commitment. And he sees your wholehearted desire to have him run your life. And you'll you'll live a life of power. You'll see God's miracles. You'll see him bless you to be able to help other people. There's some people that might come to you and seem needy. You just don't feel like needy people right now. You feel like you don't have anything to give. But you'll find that God will pull from out of you something of value there so you know you trust him trust him to have the right things for you in your life and don't trust your own understanding folks just flow with god now make that your top priority and he'll always bless you amen why don't we stop father in heaven we do thank you and we honor you because you're the greatest of the greats lord you're the one great god we thank you father that there are other gods in this world But you are the one above all gods. And you live in us. You love us. You have a covenant with us. So we thank you, Lord, for giving us this covenant of blessing and this covenant of truth and power. We thank you, Lord, that our faith stands in the power of God forever and ever. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. If anybody needs prayer.